How often do the winds of change take us off course and change our altitude? The hot air balloonist can be gliding effortlessly only to experience a sudden change of wind speed and direction. Decisions have to be made quickly in order to avert a disaster. Today's guest is Tim Taylor. You're going to hear stories of Tim's life that have helped him to be able to make quick decisions as well as to learn to deal with the sudden winds that can change your life as it has his and the smooth altitude you might be flying in. Listen closely to Tim's story, and you're going to hear how attitude is equally as important as altitude. Hey, everyone, it's Mark with Karen the Load, and uh, boy, I'm sure excited today to uh, talk with you with a, a good friend of mine, uh, Tim Taylor. Tim and I have known each other for a couple of years. He and I uh, know each other professionally, and, and I have to begin with a, a story. The canvas of our lives are really painted by stories, and uh, this story happened in January of this year, before all the COVID-19 uh, things hit there. But uh, I was in a breakfast meeting with uh, with Tim. And uh, Tim, you'll get to know Tim a little bit here in a minute, uh, but uh, Tim has some incredible uh, stories that uh, he's going to share with you about his life and uh, about uh, some of his triumphs, some of the things that uh, he's, he's struggled with in life as well. But one of the things that, that, I, that I love about uh, Tim is uh, his zest for life. He, he does seriously live life on purpose. And uh, we were talking about uh, balloon rides. I know that uh, Tim is a balloon enthusiast. And in fact, he has one of the most beautiful balloons that you'll ever see. In fact, we're going to uh, put on our site uh, some of the uh, pictures of uh, Tim's balloon. It's photography-wise, it's probably one of the most uh, pictured more than most any other balloon that you'll ever see. Yeah, it's one of the most photographed balloons in the world. It, it, there, there we go. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> but in January, Tim and I were in a breakfast meeting, and I happened to mention to Tim about an experience that had happened about 14 years ago, where I surprised my wife and my daughter with a, a balloon ride. And as we got to, to the place on that Saturday morning, both of them have the same birthday, April 23rd. And as we were... Uh, as we were going to uh, where we were going to meet to the balloonist there, they didn't know what we were going to be doing. We finally got there and I was so excited that I was able to keep this secret for such a long time. And the balloonist said, Hey, we'll all be glad to take uh, Mark, you and Annette up in the balloon, but uh, Melissa, your daughter, she's a little bit young. I'm just not sure if I want to do that. Well, Melissa was 16 at the time and uh, she was really disappointed. And so for about 14 years, I had that uh, burden on my heart there that I really need to get Melissa back up in a, in a balloon since she wasn't able to do it on her 16th birthday. And so I mentioned that to Tim. I said, Tim, in April, we're still three, four months away. And uh, I would love to be able to take my daughter and my wife up on a balloon ride. Would that be possible? And of course, with what happened the next few months with COVID, you know, we had to push that back a little bit. But here's one of the signs of a true friend. Tim reached out to me. He could have very easily put that aside and said, ah, you know, if he wants to do it in the future, he can do it. But Tim reached out to me and said, hey, Mark, I haven't forgotten about Annette and Melissa. 
And I would really love to get them up in a balloon. When can we do that? I asked him when we could do it. And so about a month ago, uh, I was able to take Melissa and Annette and myself up in a balloon ride with, with Tim. And it was one of the highlights. There aren't a lot of highlights in 2020, Tim, are there? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but that was a great highlight in our life. And it's something that we continue to talk about. But I've, as I mentioned, I've known Tim for a long time uh, there professionally, and, and we, we've talked about uh, some of the things that are common in our lives. And as we're talking about balloons, we're, we're going to talk about to the number of hours maybe that Tim has up, been up in balloons. But I, but I want to start, Tim, the very first balloon ride you ever took was in, uh, what was it, 1988? Yeah, 1988. Tell us about that. Um, well... My wife said, uh, and I've been a pilot since I was 14, uh, flying fixed wings. Uh, and my wife said, um, do you, uh, you want to get married in a balloon? And I went, oh, does it fly? She goes, of course, it's a balloon. What do you think? And I went, okay. So, you know, uh, never seen one before. Got married in a balloon. Loved it so much. I bought the balloon I got married in and been flying ever since. That's but been 32 years. 32 years, yeah. By the way, you have an anniversary coming up in a few weeks. I do. I do. And, uh, yeah, 32 years uh, in two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, yeah. And she, I'm still alive and she still loves me. Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and uh, why you have a unique life? And I and I do believe you do have a unique life. Oh, thank you, Mark. Um, I, I don't know if it's unique. I, I have, you know, we all have, like you said, stories, but we all have, we face obstacles each day. In our lives, um, uh, work, um, family, home, uh, business, uh, driving down the road, we f- face obstacles. And it's, you know, it's 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 not always the obstacle that we face, but it's how how we take the obstacle. It's how hard you can get hit and get up off the floor. I mean, it, it's it's that's what makes us or breaks us really uh, in life. Um <clears throat> I started it when I was a little kid. I was told I would never play team sports. I would never amount to anything. I would never, um, you know, I was a little fat roly poly kid with asthma. And uh, it was so big. It's so bad that, you know, when you play kickball, remember when you're a kid and you play kickball and there was always someone last? Well, that was me. And the, the argument was, you take him. No, I don't want him. He sucks. And then if I did get picked, um, you know, and I somehow I kicked the ball and didn't fall on my butt, my butt and made it to first base, I would face plant on the base and then just suck wind because I was having an asthma attack. Um, as I got older, I swore that that would just never happen to me again. And I fought it. I mean, I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. And anytime somebody said you couldn't do something, it was like, watch. Um, I, you know, later in life became an Olympic athlete, uh, a wrestler, you know, <clears throat> You know, I, I got to pick the hardest sport you can possibly pick. So I picked the one where you got to you got to think, you got to move, and you got to you got to react. So I mean, I, I just I didn't want a team sport. I wanted to be the best in the world, and being the best in the world was just me being on that stand, going, you know, I won. So, so Tim, when you were young, what would you say was the the first inclination that you had that you wanted to be the best? Um, well, I got tired of getting beat up <laughs> and I got tired of, um, uh, getting picked on. And I just, I started one time we were watching the Olympics and, uh, I really, I said, that's what I want to do. And I did it. So how did that journey begin with wrestling? 
Um, I, well, I, I love to wrestle. We, you know, and, and wrestling was the only sport that you can actually, and when you're playing football, you got 10 other guys on the team that are somebody, if you lose, you know, you all lose as a team. Um, wrestling or boxing were the only two sports that you could do that, you know, you're the only guy and you're the only one out there. You win or lose on your own accord. Um, and, uh, my face was too pretty to get beat up in boxing. So, <laughs> so I decided I'd be a wrestler. So, um, um, so I, I started wrestling, um, throughout the summers I wrestled year round and, um, uh, I just started getting better and better and better. You know, I got beat up a lot too on the mat, um, you know, by older kids, but then I got, I got smarter, but then something happened, uh, my, sophomore year in high school. So I was a, my freshman year as a state champion in wrestling. I moved up to, it was a three-year junior high and I, I moved up to wrestle off into the three-year high school and won, and then won state first freshman to ever win state in, uh, for the air Academy in Colorado. Um, and, uh, my sophomore year, I really had a problem, uh, making the team. I was, uh, uh, I wasn't really fitting in because it was a member of a three-year uh, high school. And so, uh, the, you know, the kids would pick on, the older kids picked on me. The uh, coaches had a lot of pressure on me. So it was a lot of, a uh, lot of change that year. I finally, um, finally dug in and, and pulled it out come districts. I ended up winning districts and won state again that year. Uh, and then figured out some things within myself that, you know, was it, I had to stop listening to others. I couldn't listen to them and do what I wanted to do in my life to accomplish my goals by trying to measure up in any way, shape or form from uh, to what other people say, said. So that was my, my growing mentally. And then I also really, um, I, I learned how to dig in. And when I say dig in, um, Gosh, when we used to run halls, I would be the last kid. Run. I mean, I would just be the last kid. I'd get lapped so many times. By the time I got up to the to the starting line, it was time to start again. And um, I, I just I decided then and there that no one was ever going to lap me again. I was going to get over this, and I just started pushing myself harder and harder. And I have the, had this coach tell me that you know you'll never make a great athlete because you can't go beyond the pain. And I go, what do you mean? I didn't understand it. He said, well, there's a point in time when you have pain and it hurts so bad that you can just, you can step out of your body, you can step away and you can push yourself beyond that pain. And once you do that, you will be a champion because then you can, you can overcome every obstacle and nothing's going to hold you back. And, and I learned how to do that. And I learned how to push beyond the pain and, um, you know, we, I used to tell people we, I went uphill both ways. Uh, we lived in a valley in, in uh, Woodland Park, and um, it was three miles up, and then you had to run down. You had to run up the other side, and you had to run down and run up to my house. So it, re- it really was uphill both ways. And um, I'd be running it. I worked at the grocery store at 4 o'clock in the morning at 3 a.m. I got, got up. I got my sweats on and I got cloths on and I got rubbers on and I got all the crap on and it was snow up to my knees or hips or whatever. And I'd run every morning. And there was a point in time when you would start breathing blood. 
I mean, just because it was so cold and you'd start cramping um, and you would you, you could just I close my eyes and I could see myself standing on the winter stand. I could feel the, the metal around my neck. And um, next thing I know, I'd be just floating. I'd just be floating uh, and floating on the snow and running faster than I've ever run. And and I took that to the mat and I took that to the kids, uh, the kids on the team as the, the team captain, you know, I helped the little guys and I, I literally run by them, pick them up and, and help them run um, so that they we could all finish together. Because <clears throat> I didn't, excuse me, I didn't like being that little guy that was left behind. So I'd pick up that little guy and carry him, literally carry him so that he would run faster so that he could be, it, that he didn't finish last. So it um, that drive is what really has, made me who I am to this day, because I don't care how bad I get hit. I don't care how bad I lose. I'm still going to get up and we're going to go at it again. So, so Tim, that, that's a great story. And when I, when I listen to that story, I think of, uh, we've all seen the movie Rudy, you know, he was a little guy, uh, Notre Dame, uh, football. Yep. And, and, uh, I, I look at, uh, I look at his drive and I, and I've actually uh, met Rudy a few times and, uh, and, and I know him personally. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that uh, there was something that happened to you between that freshman year and probably your sophomore and then your junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. Those three years were critical years in determining who you wanted to be throughout your life. And that's something that uh, boy, a lot of kids that age, we don't see that from. No. Is there one thing that, uh, that you can pinpoint that really made you want to be that successful person? Oh, I just, I had to step away from the crowd. I had to step away from, uh, you know, the, the naysayers, all the whiners, all the, even today, I I don't listen to, I don't listen to news. I refuse to listen to news. I don't, I I don't listen to what's going on around me. I don't listen to what other, you know, what somebody's game plan is. I have my own game plan and I have my own direction. Um, That's kind of like my wall of safety because, you know, everybody listens to junk all day long and I, and garbage in garbage out. And I have to stay positive. I have, I have team members here that, that need my, um, my inspiration. They need me to be up. Every time I walk in that door, I got to be excited. Every time I look into their eyes, I have to be excited and motivated. And, and I have to pass that enthusiasm and that excitement onto them. And if I'm upset or cry or whiny or having a bad day, I can't walk into the office. But, you know, I had my own business for so many years where I was the only one. And there are no bad days. There are no bad days for me when I've got customers to see and I'm on the road for three weeks at a time. There are no bad days. I can't roll out of bed and go, I don't feel like going to work today. I got a salesman I got to train. I got people I got to meet. I got interviews or I got I got uh, uh, customers that we got to see They're it, it, but it, it's it's that motivation that goes on in the inside. You know, I spend a lot of time with God. I spend a lot of time in prayer, and all of that comes up. Um, you know, when it comes time to play. I mean, when it comes time to get on the field and play, that's when everything's got to come together. And getting on the field, whether it's in your office or whether it's uh, on a field, whether it's in a mat, no matter where it is, it, it's 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 what goes on inside is going to go on outside. And if your inside's all whining and crying, having a buoy day, nah, you're not going to do so good today. <laughs> so, so Tim, you found that drive at an early age there. And just kind of fast forward a little bit here. Obviously, that drive uh, 
served you very well because during those next three years, uh, you were able to uh, to excel in your sport of choice, which was uh, wrestling, to the point that uh, you were able to go to. You know, when, when I think of uh, football schools, I think of I think of uh, the USC's, the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Floridas. When I think of basketball, I think of Kentucky and Duke and and some of those kind of schools. When you think of uh, when you think of wrestling, the University of Iowa is a premier wrestling school. So you were able to uh, go to Iowa on scholarship. Is that right? Yeah, I had a full ride to Iowa. Yeah, yeah and uh, during Iowa uh, days there, you began to you began to uh, see yourself and some of those dreams as you saw yourself earlier in life, maybe in the Olympics. Tell us about the preparation to the 1980 Olympics. Um, you know, it was a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of hard work. That's really what it was. You know, you got to, you got to, um, your, your, your dedication level's a whole new level. Um, I'm on, you're on the mat six, eight hours a day. I mean, you have, you have wait time, you have, uh, um, we have conditioning and, you know, you have wrestle time and you eat, sleep, drink and <laughs> eat wrestling. I mean, I was so, uh, I used to practice moves in my sleep when I rolled over, I didn't just roll over. <laughs> so, so I don't want to, uh, make you feel old by any way, because I'm, I'm your age as well here, but that was 40 years ago. Yeah. And some of us have kind of forgotten what happened with the, uh, 1980, uh, Moscow Olympics. Lead us up to that. Uh, Russia invaded Afghanistan. Sound familiar? <laughs> um, and uh, our good old president, Jimmy Carter, boycotted the Olympics. Uh, and that was that was the end of that. So, And so that was the end of that. Uh, tell us, what were the thoughts that went through your mind at the time? Well, you know, in those days, it was a lot different. Um, you know, the... the we bought our own tickets. We paid for our own coaching or on, you know, there was no Olympic um, training facility. You know, there was none of that stuff. Um, you got there on your own. You worked on your own. You paid your own bills. Um, if, if you gave me a pair of tennis shoes, I just became a professional athlete. So it was just it, it was ridiculous. The one thing I can honestly say is that 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 event helped our future athletes to be who they are to this day. You know, we were largely responsible for helping the Colorado Springs facilities to, to come online and to start helping our athletes. I mean, 40-year-old Russian, he's still an amateur athlete and he's still, you know, wrestling or playing pro hockey or playing hockey, but he's still an amateur. So what can I say? Um, you know, we were really responsible for, for helping um, these younger athletes today have a, a, the ability to train, to eat, to work, and and not have to make a living, not have to, to 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 live in your you know pay for rent and do all that other stuff. You had you had a team that was behind you and that supported you, and you had a country that was behind you that supported you. So so here we are now. Fast forward forty years, and uh, while we can't draw a comparison necessarily with the Olympics and the boycott of the Olympics. We have, uh, we have athletes today in our neighborhoods. We have our neighbors. We have our kids. We have our grandkids who have uh, 
While the boycott uh, situation is not there, obviously the fact that uh, we can't compete, they can't compete in the environment that they're used to is, is definitely there. Any advice that you could give to the kids today that are struggling with uh, not being able to compete in something that they've worked so hard with? Well, you know, it, it's it's going to come back. Uh, they'll have their time. But what they have to do is they have to start. They have to train harder than anybody else. They've got to want it. Um, you know, when when I was training in, in high school and college, I mean, I would go to I would told you I, I, I had to go to work at at four, but I ran for an hour before I did six miles before. And then I went to work and then I went to school at seven and I wrestled for two hours of solid conditioning. There was nobody else there. It was just me running. It was me hitting the wall, hitting the bag. It was me on the, on the mat for two hours. I never stopped. I mean, I never stopped. And and that's what it takes. If you, you know, you gotta, you gotta go back to basics. You gotta go back to the things, you know, you gotta dig in and you gotta still train because just because there's a pandemic or whatever the crap is out there, it's not over. It's just it's just a hurdle. It's just a speed bump that says, hey, you got to go back to basics. You want it. You got to dig in and want it better. So it's not a word, but batter is my word today. <laughs> so we talk a lot about sports, but in reality, Tim, we can we can uh, draw the same conclusions, can't we, with uh, with life, with uh, our our professional careers of uh, learning how to, uh, to work hard and uh, to, to maybe reinvent ourselves sometimes. Reinventing ourselves is uh, something that I think we've all had to do to a degree during the last four or five months. That's for sure. So, uh, so, so after college, you, you uh, were in the Navy. Uh, no, no. I grew up in the Navy. Um, I, had, I had my full ride. I had a full ride to Annapolis. Um, but the, uh, the wrestling was in Annapolis was so horrible. Um, I just, I had to go back to Iowa and Dan told me, what are you doing? Get back here. In retrospect, <laughs> I should have stayed in the Navy, you know, at, at Annapolis. Um, and, and I would have, I'd probably still be in it. In fact, I'm sure I would be, but, um, I was raised in the Navy as a Navy child. And, um, um, but that's where I wanted to be. Yeah. Do you, do you think that uh, that uh, environment helped you with your drive and to uh, try to find the purpose of your life? Um, yeah. So, it, and you know me, Mark, I'm, I'm <laughs> I, when I fly, I'm a little ADD, so a little bouncy. Um, so, you know, I've used that, that uh, regiment, um, that strictness uh, that I was raised with to help me in every part of my life. I mean, I'm extremely regimented. I, I mean, I get up every morning at three, three thirty in the morning, go to the gym. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm regimented in, at home. I'm regimented in my business. I'm regimented in everything I do, but, uh, that, that regiment helps me control my ADD. It helps me stay focused. It helps me stay on task. The biggest problem we have as adults, especially ADD adults, because I deal with a lot of them. I dealt with a tremendous amount of car dealers in my my the business before I got into this. And oh my, my goodness, these guys were so ADD uh, to hold their attention. Literally, I'd take their phones away from them and go, you know, all right, phones down, focus on me. You got 15 minutes and here's what we're going to do. And I'd bullet point it, you know. You got you to know your audience. And <laughs> when you're dealing with ADD people, you got to get right to the point. You got to make it fast. You got to get there. And, and if they get stuck on something, you got to pull them, pull, pull them with you. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the, all of that 
makes me who I am to this day, but it's also learning how to overcome um, setbacks. It's also how, you know, just because I had asthma, I wasn't going to let it stop me. Just because I couldn't, wasn't supposed to play team sports, I wasn't going to let it stop me. Just because I was uh, a little butterball, wasn't going to let it stop me. You know, I had to overcome all those obstacles. And and parents, I had to overcome my parents. I had to overcome, um, you know, because in those days, you know, my dad thought that, you know, that wasn't, I wasn't a manly sport. He came to my football games, but he didn't come to a wrestling match. You know, um, you know, I had to overcome a, a lot of turmoil. Um and, you know, a single mom because my dad left and a lot of things you have to overcome and you can be a victim or you can set yourself apart in today's society. You can be a victim or you can set yourself apart. And it's all about what you want to do in your life. Do You want to sit, sit by the wayside and cry about it or you want to get up and, and fight about it. And isn't it interesting that when we do decide to get up and uh, and, and make make it work, that it's not as difficult as we thought it was going to be. It never is. Hardest thing that I ever deal with is the initial ability to actually get up and start doing it. Once we do that, uh, then I think things do become a little bit easier. Yeah. There. As we, as we... The hardest, the hardest thing in the world is to go to the gym and, and it's, it's not the first day. It's the third day. Why is it the third day? <laughs> Cause that's the day you just, your whole body aches. If you haven't been to the gym and, ever or in the last six months and you go to the gym and the third day in your body aches and all that other stuff, you know, that's, that's the hardest day, but that's the day you got to push yourself to get out of bed. And I mean, I'm, I remember, you know, I dislocated this shoulder in the Pan American games and it was, it ripped it from here all the way down to my armpit and they pushed it back up and I went out and wrestled. I broke my ankle nine times through high school and never had it casted. I just had it taped. I played on it. I mean, I uh, had my lips split and hands broke and everything else. And, you know, just you, you keep going, you know, you just keep going. Um, why stop? <laughs> I think I'll sleep when I die. So there you go. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about uh, jumping back on the horse when the horse throws us. And the horse can really throw us through a, for an awful lot of loops in life. Uh, there we have a lot of different things that we have to jump back on the horse. And uh, you've, you've been a great example of that. But I want to go back here for a second. 32 years of marriage, 32 years from that first balloon ride, the day you got married. From that time, how many hours have you been in the air on a balloon? In a balloon, I've got over 5,000 hours in a balloon. Over 5,000 hours. Now, I have to make an observation at this point here. And that observation for me is that uh, when I have flown the two times in a balloon, I don't know if there is any more of a peaceful time than when I'm in a balloon a thousand feet above the uh, the earth there. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's all I can say. The only word I can think think is uh, peaceful there. And uh, you've had a chance to reflect during those 5,000 hours. I know that you've been a lot of times uh, you've had people on your balloon with you there, but uh, there've been times when you've probably been able to reflect and uh, think of that peacefulness around you. As you look down, have there been any epiphanies that you've gained over the years during those 32 years that uh, you'd like to share about the peace that comes to you with flying? Um, wow. Gosh, flying, that's my happy, happy place. Um, I don't know. You know, it's funny because 
when I fly, I've just, there's a, a, a piece and, uh, and you flew with me that day. And I told you, I fly with my angels and I, you have that picture of my angels above the balloon. It, um, um, you know, when I'm flying, it's, it's just, it's, it's my heart's, my heart's calm. My, um, I might be happy on the inside. I might be bouncing on the inside, but, um, that's just where I love to be. Uh, everybody has a real passion in life. And I have, that's my passion. That's what, um, I know my wife sometimes it's like, really, we're going to fly in again. So, um, and I got her a new balloon for our 30th anniversary. So I know she was really happy about that. <laughs> I, I can tell Darren loves that uh, balloon. She, uh, you know, she's very proud of that. Yeah. Um, so. you know, it's a peaceful place, but it's also a place, place where you can, um, things come together for you. You know, they come together in your head. They come together in your heart. You know, you live life with intention and you live life to live it. Um, you know, I just don't want to ever want to be the be there on my deathbed going, God, I wish I would have done this. And I wish I would have done that. You know, just do it. Just do it and do everything you want. And, hey, if you if you fall down or you you hit your face, it's learning. Um, you know, it's like uh, I'm, I'm teaching the baby where I'm teaching the baby to play golf. And, you know, and. It, 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 it's just practice. It's practice. And when he was learning how to walk, when he fell on his, his face, he got back up and he, he started walking again. And, you know, it, it's, it's just getting back up and, and wanting it. And when I fly, when I'm in the air, um, God speaks to me and, uh, it, he speaks to my heart and he helps me to, um, um, he helps he, he really helps me to be calm. He helps me to be patient helps me to understand life uh, and gives me little, little insights. So, you know, the thing I, I love about what you're talking about there is, is that uh, we all have to find our own passion, your passion. And uh, the piece that you find is, uh, is in the air in your balloon. One of the passions I have that I've uh, shared with, uh, with our listeners before is uh, I get up every morning early and uh, hike up to a place called Timpanogos cave uh, here near my home. It's a uh, three, uh, three mile round trip, uh, about uh, 1100 feet up in the air. And uh, that great, brings me great peace. One of the things that I would encourage for each of you listeners is to find something, whatever it might be. We've talked about uh, hiking, we've talked about uh, being in balloons, but trying to find something that will allow you to enjoy that peace, to put aside the, uh, the day's events, if you will, there. I, you know, I, I, I get up, in the mountains there, and I, I breathe in the uh, the wisdom of the mountain, and I exhale the uh, the problems of the day. And I think that we all need to find ways that we can do that. Tim, you you brought up a uh, a point a minute ago about uh, the interaction that you have with God, and uh, how how you are able to probably commune with Him, whether it's in a balloon, whether it's anywhere else. That's an important thing for you. I'd like to, if you would, to share us. Share with us for a minute uh, about your involvement uh, with 180 Ministries. Um, I, I do some ministry work here in town. Um, 180 Ministries. I, I just when I met Greg, the pastor out there, um, we just I just kind of fell in love with the guy. He's just he's so warm and he's doing a wonderful thing for these girls. These and you would never think that teen tra- or human trafficking in our in our country, America. Um, was uh going on you know you'd think oh in mexico and third world countries absolutely but these girls have been in in um 
human trafficking and you know they they bring them back into society and help them reacclimate it's an 18 month um uh, process of working with these girls and um we do you know all states help um by contributing uh, by donating money to the to their ministry um i've done donated i've matched all state as well with with donations help raise money with them with a balloon tether. In fact, all these girls are going for a flight with me this weekend um, to help build a team, you know, team environment and working together and trusting each other. Um, so a lot of fun there. And, and these are beautiful, wonderful young ladies that have been through just some, some horrific things in their life. And, and, and uh, 180 ministries incorporates God and having, um, the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in your heart and helping you to to overcome your obstacles and overcome life. But you've got one person you get to lean on and that's God and he'll get you there uh, and he'll be with you. But you got to be with him. That's 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 a that's a great uh, thought there. And I one of the things that we do often is we talk about the importance of community community involvement. And we talk about the village and uh, the village doesn't need to be any further than our next door neighbor. It doesn't need to be any further necessarily, perhaps, depending on our abilities and our strengths and what we can do within the walls of our own home. But that involvement is, is really important. And it's something that uh, I don't know about uh, those of you who have uh, done something uh, to the degree that uh, you're able to get out and to. And it doesn't have to be money. It can be your time. Do you spend time at uh, a shelter? Do you spend time helping other people? Are, are there are there times when you can help coach uh, situations there? There there are all kinds of opportunities uh, in our communities there where your expertise and your abilities are needed. It might be I know, I know someone that actually writes notes and sends them to people that uh, have have uh, done something that. Uh, doesn't have to be big, but she recognizes just the little things that people do to support others in the community. And I, and I really appreciate that. You know, Tim, as we, as, as we talk about uh, life, as we talk about living life on purpose, you've had some incredible experiences in your life, and we're only touching on a few of them here. But I would suspect that there are things that uh, you know today that maybe you wish you would have known 25 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> without being too personal, what are some of those things that uh, that you would have known 25 years ago that might be beneficial to people listening to this podcast today? Oh, well, I'd have never done half the stuff I did. <laughs> I'm telling I look back now going, oh, my God, I lived through that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, I, was I lived hard when I was younger. I gave it everything because, you know, it was, uh, that's my makeup. It's an all or nothing kind of thing. Um, what I would, I don't know the wisdom I have now, you know, as, as you get, um, you get older and you see more stuff. I wish I had God in my heart more when I was younger, honestly. How so, and what is that? What difference has that made in your life? Oh, it's huge difference in my life. Uh, huge difference in my life. He, he, he has changed me so much. Uh, I can't. I mean, a nine day to where I was, you know, ten years ago. Um, 
just he's really changed me. Yeah, I wish I was more, um, you know, I had religion when I was younger, but I didn't have a relationship. If that's the that would be the easiest way to explain it, you know, because when you when you have a relationship, you spend time. I mean, I when I'm in the gym, I have two hours of of, you know, I have God playing in my ear. I have uh, spiritual. Uh, I have books that I listen to. I have spiritual books that I listen to. I have books from pastors. I listen to different pastors. Um, that's two hours there. And then when I go home, you know, I'm listening in the shower. And then when I get out, I spend another hour reading and reading the Bible and going through in prayer and all that other stuff. It's, it's my relationship with God is me being with him every single day, all day long throughout the day. So when I was younger, you know, it was all about me. I pounded my chest, you know, we're all about, you know, our egos and oh my gosh, mine was just overblown. Um, you know, when I was young, I did be, you know, I, I was very successful, very successful in business at a very young age. Um, and, you know, you, when you you become very successful at a young age, you um, you have this omnipotent attitude of things and you uh, it's all about you. So it really is. And I was a very selfish person. I mean, boys in general are very selfish. But then when you you make a lot of money and you're very successful and you build big companies um, and your you know, your ego um, overloads your your bottom. I mean, it just overloads you because it, you you don't know what's real. You know, you really don't know what's real. And it's just it's all an illusion. And then you get humbled, you get humbled all the way to your knees and then down a little bit lower. Um, and then you realize who's really in charge and, and who you need to be talking to every day. And that changes you. That really changes you because, you know, it, it both, like I said, my ego, <laughs> my ego was blown up. When I started flying, I mean, here's a 130-hour pilot flying with top pilots in the world. I mean, Albuquerque is the 40, 40 of the best pilots in the world. That's where I started flying. And, you know, my motto was if they could do it, I could do it. And these guys had uh, thousands of hours. And like I said, I did some stuff that, wow, <laughs> Wouldn't, would I do that now? Not in this lifetime. <laughs> did I do it then? Yes. And I lived through it. I'm glad I did. Now I know I, I don't have to do it again. Um but yeah, it was it was all ego. And then when you compete on a national and world world level, as I have in ballooning, um, national uh, competing in nationals and worlds, um, it, we have a fighter pilot mentality, and it's it is a it is a real ego driven ego ego driven mentality. And once you can make it past your ego, and um, and you find God, you'll have a lot more peace, a lot more peace on the inside. You know, that's great advice. For those of you who uh, do a Google search on Tim Taylor, you're going to see perhaps the most beautiful balloon uh, that you'll ever see. There are a lot of different uh, designs on balloons. But, Tim, your balloon is uh, is the American flag. Yep. Why is it important to you? Uh, well, because uh, <laughs> I'm, a pr- I'm a proud American. I'm, I'm proud of this country. Um uh, I appreciate our our military. Um, we're my family's seven generations military. Um, uh, I appreciate our law enforcement. I appreciate our first responders, and I fly a lot of them here in town in Salt Lake. I fly a lot of first responders. Um, I did the Provo down the Freedom Fest. We flew all we flew were police and fire and and EMTs and guys um, families that um, would never get a chance to fly in a balloon, and we flew them. You know, um, 
this country, freedom didn't come free, you know, and a lot of people lost their lives. A lot of boys, a lot of uh, young men lost their lives. And, you know, we're our job is to to remember their lives and, and to give back to this country in every way we can. And all I can say is amen to that. Tim, one last question. I, I appreciate uh, the wisdom that you've shared with us today. Uh, I, I always like to ask this question because I think it's important. You know, we've talked about living our lives on purpose. We talk about uh, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual needs that we have in life. But we didn't gain this wisdom by ourselves. Most of this wisdom came through our interactions with others. Is there one person that you can share some of the attributes that you have learned over the years that uh, really blessed your life in ways that maybe no one else could have done? Oh, absolutely. My, my Nana, um, <laughs> my Nana is the most powerful person in my life. She raised uh, eight kids. Well, seven, including me, that's eight. And, uh, by herself, uh, and I, how she did it, I have no earthly idea, especially when I came along, because, boy, was I a handful. <laughs> you take a hyperactive ADD child and, uh, um, oh, man, that was a handful. And Nana, Nana, all Nana had to do is give you a look. But my Nana read the Bible every day. She um, was uh, had an incredible relationship with God. Um, and she taught us, she taught us how to be uh uh, responsible adults and take responsibility and for our actions and live life through God and with him and in him. And um, she's an incredible woman, incredible woman. Tim, you're an inspiration. I appreciate the time that you've spent with us today. I, I've learned even more about you than I already knew. And that's a good thing because uh, the things I learned about you today uh, will help me be a better person. But I appreciate you. I, I appreciate what you stand for. I appreciate uh, your willingness to be courageous, to share your stories, to share your your excitement, to share your struggles, to share your triumphs that you've had in your life. And uh, and, and that's what our life is all about, is learning to grow and to, uh, to gain the wisdom that we, were, that we were sent here to gain. And so thank you very much for your time. Last thought that you have that you'd like to share with our listeners today. I, th I would say that the biggest thing is, you know, that life is not about the stuff that we have and all the stuff we can own and buy and do. It's more about the um, souls we touch and the people we love. Well said. Well said. Once again, Tim Taylor uh, on our uh, podcast today. This is Mark with Care in the Load. How often do the winds of change take us off course and change our altitude? The hot air balloonist can be gliding effortlessly only to experience a sudden change in wind speed and direction. Decisions have to be made quickly in order to avert a disaster. Today's guest is Tim Taylor. You'll hear stories of Tim's life that have helped him to be able to make quick decisions, as well as to learn to deal with some of the sudden winds that can change your life and the smooth altitude you might be flying in. Listen closely to Tim's story and you'll hear how attitude is equally as important as altitude. I hope you enjoy. Mm -hmm.